Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hi, so back in 2010, I went on my second mission trip to Haiti. And it was right after the earthquake. We were doing ministry over there in Haiti. There were 11 of us on our team. I was at a former church. I was the leader of the trip. And on Saturday morning, the morning that we were going to depart, I got woken up by a phone call. Somebody was calling me and saying, did you hear? Spirit Airlines went on strike. That was our airline. We were supposed to leave that afternoon. That's not what you want to be woken up to on the day of a mission trip. So my lovely wife, Rose, got on the phone. And two hours later, we had tickets for all 11 of us going to Haiti. And uh, seven were going to leave in the morning or that same day, and then four were going to leave the next day on Sunday. So I led the team of seven. We flew over to the Dominican Republic, went across the border, ended up in Cape Cape Haitian in northern Haiti, and then had ministry on Sunday. And then our other team of four flew on Sunday, got over to the Dominican Republic, ended up at the border in a hotel waiting for us to come get them the next day. So on Monday morning, we got up really early. It was myself and Pastor Ecclesius. Here's a picture of Pastor Ecclesius, a good friend of mine. And uh, he drove us over to the border. Now, what I didn't know was that on Mondays, and I think Mondays and Thursdays, it was market day in, in Haiti. And what that means is that it's, uh, you can cross the border and go into the Dominican Republic to buy and sell merchandise. And there's no cost to get across the border. They just open up the borders. And so on market day, there's a long line at the border. Here's a picture of what market day looks like at the border we were at. And so we're driving up to this with Pastor Ecclesius, and I'm like, there's, there's no way we're going to get across this border today and, and try to find you know, these four guys that are somewhere in the Dominican Republic. I don't think any of the four could speak Spanish, you know, just waiting for us. And so Pastor Ecclesius is like, no problem, follow me. Like, all right. So we got out of the car and we started walking up alongside of all of these people and walked all the way up to the bridge. Now there's a bridge over a river that separates Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And, uh, and he walks right up to this gate and there's this big metal gate. You can't see through it. It's on the, on the, gate, on the bridge itself. And he says, follow me. And he gets, so he gets out and he kind of goes around the gate, you know, on the outside of the bridge and disappears. And I'm just standing there, where'd he go? You know, like, I guess I'm going to hang off the corner of the bridge. And so I did, hung off the edge, swung around, landed, you know, on the other side of the gate. And right there was a soldier with an AK-47 looking at me. <laughs> just looking at him. He's looking at me. And uh, Pastor Ecclesia says something to him. And he goes, okay, and lets me by. And so we go across, swing around the other gate, make it all the way to the hotel, and then we, we, we pick up our four guys. They open up the gates by then. And we walked all the way back and got back, I think, by noon, you know, into, uh, into Haiti. Pastor Ecclesius was a great guide. I mean, he was a great guide. He got us to where we needed to go. So I've listed three characteristics of what I think is a great guide. The first one is that they must know where they're going, right? They must know where they're going. That's probably... Pretty, pretty important for a guy. 
Pastor Ecclesius knew where we needed to go. He knew where the hotel was. And then secondly, they know how to get there. So Pastor Ecclesius knew the direction, knew exactly how to get there. But number three is pretty important too. They know the best way to get there. We could have waited in line for hours. And Pastor Ecclesius is like, no, no, no. I know the best way to get there. You're just going to have to risk your life. But it's going to be good. It'll be good. But Pastor Ecclesius was a great guide. A great guide. And guides are really important. And not just on mission trips. I wouldn't recommend going on an African safari unless you had a guide. All right? Just for personal experience, I wouldn't recommend that. Rose and I, many years ago, we, we actually had a trip to South Africa to do this, the African safaris and things like that. We bought it at a school auction. And uh, so we spent like the first three or four days doing the guided tour and got to see lions and zebras and things like that. But we really wanted to see elephants. You know, you go to Africa, you really want to see elephants, right? Is it just me? No, we want to see elephants. And so we had this car that was about this tall. It was really, really small. It was about that big. And, uh, and we heard that there were elephants in this national park. So we got in our little bitty car and we drove into this national park. And we said, let's go find the elephants. And so we drove around into the back roads all by ourselves. We're like, nobody can find us. We're not in a four-wheel drive vehicle. We're just in a little, think of Geo Metro. I mean, it's something like that. It was so small. And we're out here, and we turn a corner, and there's all of these elephants. They, and they were, they were just looking at us. And so we got really close to one. Here's a picture of it. Rose took that picture out of the, out of the side window. And Rose is telling me, go, move, move. And I'm like ready to go if it comes after me. But we finally left. We found out later that when they put their ears out like that, they're about ready to charge. And so... Yeah, and we found a, a warning sign which showed an elephant pushing a car over, you know, and says, don't get close to them. It probably would have been nice to have a guide, I think, on that day, but we almost died, but we didn't. We survived. I wouldn't go mountain climbing without a guide, right? I think it's important to have a guide for that. And I think that if you're going to be going Black Friday shopping on Grape Road, take someone with you that knows what they're doing. Otherwise, you may not come back alive. I mean, so guides, guides are important. They're very important. And I would say in life, just in life, guides are necessary. They just are. They're necessary. None of us are born knowing where we're going, right? And if we do know where we're going, we certainly don't know how to get there. And, and if we think we know the direction, we may not know the best way to get there. Guides are who can help us get there. Now, in this life, my natural instincts, when I go on my own, without a guide, it just gets me in trouble. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've kind of gone it alone many times in this life, and it hasn't turned out so well for me. So let me submit this thought. If we're going to succeed in this life, we need a guide. We need a guide. But here's the good news. We do have a guide. We have the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how he guides us. 
So we're in a message series called Psalm 23, discovering how God cares for us. And last week we studied verse 2, and we had a couple of points from there. God shows us how much he knows us by requiring us to rest and personalizing our provision. And I would encourage you, if you missed that message, to go back and listen to it. But today we're going, going to be studying verse 3. And verse 3 is all about how God guides us. So if you would, we're going to read this again. I asked the young adult, I said, are you getting tired of reading Psalm 23 as a church? And she said, no, I like liturgical churches. <laughs> so, so just for this one young adult, we're going to read it again today. But I, I do like reading this because it brings it all together. It reminds us, and again, I would encourage you to memorize this. So you may actually close your eyes and try to say it as we're reading it off of the screen. But let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're going to focus on verse 3. He refreshes my soul, he guides me along the right paths, for his name's sake. So our message is titled Psalm 23, The Shepherd Who Guides Me. The Shepherd Who Guides Me. So if you would, pray with me as I pray for the message. Father, we come to you and we recognize our need for a guide. So Lord, today I pray that you would speak to us, open up our hearts and minds to know how to follow you, God. Help me to communicate your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can fill this in on your handout. And I apologize, I have four points. I know you guys flipped it over and went, what in the world? Are we going to be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon? Maybe. It might happen. So um, I'm actually going to go through a couple of these points rather quickly. So uh, you can fill this in. When Jesus guides me, he first equips me for the journey. He first equips me. For the journey, he refreshes my soul is the beginning of that verse. And I won't talk a lot about this point today because we talked about it last week uh, quite a bit. But God does prepare us for this journey in life. He knows what we need. He knows we need refreshing. He knows we need spiritual food. He knows we need spiritual drink. And he knows we need rest. He knows we need rest. Last week we talked about the importance of one day a week, taking a Sabbath day, spending time with God, spending time with family, and just plain resting. So I would encourage you guys, if you haven't moved into that rhythm, that is really kind of a spiritual discipline of taking a day to rest, uh, you need to do it. You need to do it. I got a lot of feedback on that one. And, and it was interesting to me because, you know, when I grew up, the Sabbath day wasn't optional. There was nothing open, right? Nobody worked on Sunday. But today in our society, um, there are so many jobs and so many 
part-time jobs and so many things going on that resting is something that we aren't doing very well. So um, I encourage you guys, make sure that you're being faithful in this one avenue, this one aspect of following Christ is to rest because it's one of the ways that he refreshes our soul. Uh, Every Monday we wake up and there's a journey ahead of us, right? So it's important that we're refreshed to go on that journey. So again, that was really quick, first, first point. Uh, point two, when Jesus guides me, he leads me in front instead of pushing from behind. He leads in front instead of pushing from behind. The scripture says he guides me. He guides me. And so to talk about this, I'm going to share with you when I go to Canada on these men's wilderness trips and what it's like to have someone go with you. My first trip I remember this back in like, I think it's 2002, 2001. I went on this, this trip to Canada. And I will tell you, I had no idea how to survive in the wilderness by myself. I mean, if they had just dropped me off, it, it wasn't going to be a pretty picture. But we had our guides and they supplied us with everything that we needed. Backpacks, tents, canoes, uh, the, all the food, saws, you know, matches, maps, everything that we needed. They gave it to us. Uh, But what they didn't do is they didn't take us to the edge of that first lake, put us in our canoes, and just kind of push us off and wish us good luck. That's not what they did. They actually got in their canoe, and they paddled on ahead of us, and they just simply said, follow me. Just follow me. And so they, they led us across lakes. They led us across trails. They told us when we should stop and take a break, when we should uh, keep going again. When we got into a trail that went left or right, they told us which direction to go. But more than just telling us, they showed us. And when they stopped, we stopped. And when they got up in the morning, we got up in the morning. They were with us every step of the way. That's how Jesus leads us. He's out there in front of us, leading us, saying, come, follow me. Follow me. He's not behind us, pushing us on this journey. Do you get that image? I mean, he's out there in front of us telling us which way to go. And in fact, just showing us how to get there. In the book of John, Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd. And he says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So you have that image of a shepherd out in front of the sheep calling out and the sheep just wandering along following the shepherd. That's what Jesus does for us. He's out in front. He's calling out to us and he's saying, this is the direction. This is the way. And our job is what? Is to listen first, right? And then to follow. To follow. The nice thing about this is that this is a daily thing. You know, Jesus doesn't say, okay, come follow me and I'll see you in a month. Did you get that image? I mean, he's, he's right there in front of us. Walking. And then he's, sometimes he's right beside us. Sometimes, you know, he's got, holding onto our hand. He's got his arm around us because he knows this journey is long. This isn't a sprint, right? This, 
this Christian walk, it's a journey. And he's right out there in front of us. He's reachable. He's talking to us all along the way. And he wants to interact with us. He's always leading, always encouraging, and sometimes he's even convicting. Ah, you're off the path. Come on, come on. You're, you stopped. <laughs> Too long. Let's go. Let's go. Let's keep going. He's with us every step of the day, of the way. That's our shepherd. He's with us. As I was putting this message together, um, I felt like God wanted to say to someone here today, just this, this really important fact is that you're not alone. You're not alone. Some of you may feel like you're alone on this journey. Um, and you may not have people around you. But I will tell you, the shepherd, the good shepherd is with you. Every step of the way. So you're not alone. No matter what your situation is. All right, that's just point number two. When Jesus guides me, he leads me in front instead of pushing from behind. Number three, when Jesus guides me, he knows the right way. He knows the right way. He guides me along the right paths. Is what it says in, in the King James Version. It says, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Of righteousness. There's the two Hebrew words for right paths or paths of righteousness. First of all is this magal type word. Hebrew word. It means a track, a path, a trench. So you get an idea, you know, this, it's a path. And then uh, righteousness is this sedek word. It means the right, natural, moral, or legal path. All right, so it's, it's not just the correct path. It's the moral path, the legal path, the right path. The path of righteousness is right living. It's moral living. He knows the best way for us. He knows where we're headed, and he knows the best way for us to get there. It's through righteous living. Righteous living is through doing what is right. And so this book, the Bible, it tells us what's right and wrong. All right, and his direction is to follow scriptures. Follow scriptures. It's our map, our guide. It's our path. Now, God commanded that we should not steal, right? But that was really for our own good. We shouldn't steal. It's not a benefit for us, especially not a benefit for the person we stole from. He also says that we should not commit adultery. That was for our own good. It's marriage, to have marriages succeed in life, adultery cannot be present. He says that we should not kill. And again, that was for our benefit. To live in a society where murder is allowed is just anarchy. So God knew what was right. He laid it all out and said, this is what we should do. This is what we should not do. And then Jesus came down on earth because he's the good shepherd and he showed us how to do it. He modeled righteous living. 
Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I think of the image of a shepherd and sheep going up a steep mountain. And it's a difficult climb. And the sheep are like, man, this is hard. I'm tired. We've been walking all day. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I've been on the same trail you've been on, right? I've been walking with you every step of the way. I'm just a little bit further ahead of you. Follow me. Follow me. So in this battle against sin, because we're all tempted, right? Each one of us is tempted to not sin. Jesus has already lived that battle. He was tempted in every way, and he did not sin. And so his call to us is, you can do it. You can do it. Live out a righteous life. It's important. It's important for you. It's the best way. It's the right path. Now, today in our culture, as you guys know, it doesn't take very long to look at social media or the news. There are a lot of people trying to come up with the right way of living. You know what I mean? What, what used to be a sin is now considered, you know, acceptable. What used to be acceptable is now considered, you know, unacceptable in society. And, and there's just a, a mess going on in our culture. People don't know what is right. Is it, is it okay to eat meat or not? I mean, they just don't know. I mean, there's just confusion. There's a lot of confusion. Well, this, this is our standard. God already laid it out and said, this is what's right, and this is what's wrong, and it doesn't change. There's only one right path. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only if you find it. There, the Bible does lay out a narrow road, a hard path. But it's a path that, that Christ has already walked on ahead of us. And he's laid out and said, follow me. Follow me. This will be your best course. Trust me. It doesn't lead to destruction. It leads to life. Just follow me. Follow me. That narrow road that Christ is calling us to is righteous living. It's the right path. It's the right path. That's number three. When Jesus guides me, he knows the right way. And then this last point, I, just, I, I love this. I mean, it, it's just kind of a, an add-on to the scripture, but it's when Jesus guides me, it's all about him. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He guides us along the right path for our sake too. Don't get me wrong. But he guides us for his name's sake because it really, at the, at the end of the day, it's all about him. It's all about him. I looked up the definition of a Christian and this is what I found. It says, one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I like that, but I don't think that definition is complete because by that definition, Probably about two-thirds of America, maybe even three-fourths of America, would consider themselves Christians. There's this next definition I like better. It says, a person who exemplifies in his life or her life the teachings of Christ. See, that's a better definition of being 
a Christian. God guides us along right paths for our sake, but ultimately it's for his name's sake. We are Christ's representatives here on earth. Each one of us, if we call ourselves a Christian, we are carrying Christ's name. And, and he wants us to be walking along righteous paths because he wants us to be a good impact on the people around us, right? It's what he wants. So if we call ourselves Christians, our lives should be such that we honor Jesus. We represent Jesus. I came across this this past week. Many of you have probably heard about this, but Kanye West um, has said he professes to be a follower of Christ now. I don't know if you guys knew that, but this has made a lot of news because he just released his latest album, and uh, it's a Christian album. It's called Jesus is King, and it's the Billboard Top 200 number one album this past, this past week. And so, um, so I was doing a little reading, listening to the album, and because uh, everybody's like, is, is, this, is this for real? Or is this a publicity stunt? What is this? And I came across this video. You guys have probably heard of James Corden. He does the carpool karaoke's. You ever heard of that? And he just sings in a car. Well, he did an airpool karaoke with Kanye West. Uh, it's a 20-minute segment. I'd encourage you to, to actually watch the whole thing. But here's just two minutes of this clip. So watch two minutes of this, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Altitudes, or just because we're in the sky, I am starting to feel closer to God. I'll be honest. Now, marriage, I think, has been a real great stabler for you. Yeah. People thought it would be uncool to be married. Then I got married, and people are like, oh, that looks cool. No one ever thought it would be uncool to marry Kim Kardashian. Everybody <laughs> thought it would be cool to marry Kim Kardashian. Well, not Chris Humphries. <laughs> it's more than cool. It's more than cool as hell or something. It's heavenly, it's, it's great, it's magnificent. And God is using me as a human being, you know, I, I, you know, as humbly as I could put it, he's using me to show off. Last year I made $115 million and still ended up $35 million in debt. This year I looked up and I just got $68 million returned to me on my tax returns. And people say, Oh, don't talk about these numbers. No, people need to hear someone that had been put into debt by the system talk about these kind of numbers now that they're in service to Christ. So you think your, your awakening, your spiritual awakening is part of my success. Absolutely. He's showing off. He's just showing out. Do you think? Yeezy worth $3 billion. It's the number one Google search brand in the world. He's showing out. Now I get to work for God and he about to show out. Kanye West works for God. Can you lend me a million dollars? <laughs> 
You know, I, I love that because Kanye West is not pulling back any punches. You know, he's saying Kanye West works for God and God is showing off through my life and through my turnaround and through my success. Guys, that's what God wants to do with each one of our lives. Each one of us. God is wanting to show off in, through your life, Matt. He is. Because people know you're a Christian. They know you're a Christian and they're watching you and he wants to show off through you. He wants us to walk in paths of righteousness. He laid it all out. He, he led the way. And he said, come follow me. He's right there with us. For his name's sake, for his glory, God is laying it out in our lives, working through our lives, calling us to a higher level, a higher standard, because he wants to have his name exalted here on earth. You know his name will be exalted for millions and millions of years, right? In heaven one day, no doubt, we're all going to be praising God's name. But he wants his name exalted today too, through each one of us, through each one of us. And he guides us, right? He's laid it out. This is the path. This is the direction. And he calls every one of us to it. Every one of us to it. So here's the deal. If there's an area in your life that is far from righteous, because we all have them. It's time to get it right. It's time to get it right. And the way you get it right is through confession. I'll just tell you that. You confess it to God, and then you can confess it to a close friend. And then they hold you accountable here on earth while God holds you accountable from heaven. But, guys, we need to be Christ's ambassadors here on earth. And if we're struggling with this sin area, we don't look very good. Now, again, this is, has nothing to do with us making it into heaven because none of us are righteous on our own, right? Jesus died for our sins so that we can make it into heaven one day. You know, and his death paid the, the penalty for all of our sins. I'm not talking about that. You know, if you've accept, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you have your ticket to heaven, okay? Push that aside. But he wants us to live a righteous life, life today for his namesake. We're his ambassadors. You can fill this in. Our lives are meant to give God glory. Our lives are meant to give God glory. That's point number four. When Jesus guides me, it's all about him. I'm going to invite Lyndon to come up. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.